Which fits into our theme because some might say that Tommy Wiseau is a modern-day William Topaz McGonagall. And yes, you have tuned in to part three on our podcast on William Topaz McGonagall, the worst poet in Scottish history, here on Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. I am Harmon Leon, and with me as always is my co-host, Scott Kalanico. How are you, Scott? I'm pretty good. Not too bad, Harmon. Before we dive into part three on our podcast on William Topaz McGonagall, a few plugs. July 12th through 15th, I'll be producing a four-day storytelling festival at the People's Improv Theater in New York called Story Fest, featuring 19 of the best storytelling shows in New York City. You can find out more about it on the PIPS website. Also, the month of August, I'll be appearing at the Edinburgh Festival in Scotland, 9 p.m. at the Banshee Labyrinth, doing my brand new show, Harmon Leon's American Horror Story. So if you're in Scotland, be sure to check that out. Also, support the Comedy History 101 podcast by doing one of the three of the following. Subscribe, comment, or donate to the podcast. Yes, subscribe on iTunes comment on iTunes, or just simply donate through our site, wordsoverchair.com. It helps us put out more episodes, and then we don't have to do these annoying plugs up front. And with that, let's get back into the history of William Topaz McGonagall, the worst poet in Scottish history. In this episode, we will talk about William Topaz McGonagall's influence on modern comedy history. against Spike Milligan, who went on to uh, produce Monty Python. Uh, his, his first very successful show was The Goon Show, where which, which also Peter Sellers was on, and he played a character called McGoonagall. Monty Python had an episode featuring a McGonagall-esque poet called Ewan McTeagle. If you could see a way to lending me sixpence, I could at least buy a newspaper. That's not much to ask anyone. Yeah, whose poems were yeah, actually pros that request for money. And then, of course, the uh, what's uh, one I kind of uncovered or when I was looking through stuff there on the Muppets, they had a uh, one Muppet back from the uh, seventy back in the seventies when the show was broadcast from the UK. Uh, they had a puppet on there by the name. Yeah, of that's Angus right, McGonagall. Angus McGonagall on the Muppets. Angus McGonagall, the Argyle Gargoyle, but we have canceled him. This is an outrage. I demand my spot. Before we go into the biggest uh, 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 nod to McGonagall, in 1974, Spike Milligan, uh, uh, did he produce or direct this movie? He directed a movie called, or appeared in, The Great McGonagall, which also uh, featured Peter Sellers as Queen Victoria. That sounds like the unknown Scottish poet 
William McGonagall. Yeah, it's kind of a bad movie. But then there's a couple of things that get interesting, like like the whole music hall scene. They kind of like they get that kind of groove right. It's it it feels right. And then also what's interesting, he does do a very. So I I tried watching this movie like a while back when we were working on the documentary. It's I would just have to, and I I love Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan. You know, always been influential. The movie is kind of unwatchable. And who are you? I am Queen Victoria, and I am very big in England. Oh, we are a Majesty, Queen Victoria. I'm sorry I did not recognize you the moment that I saw you, but now I've seen you look a fine queen, the finest I've ever seen. It kind of unwatchable, and then like Spike Milligan went on this really crazy thing about he wrote like three or four books really? about McGonagall, no like 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 fan fiction. Yeah, there's yeah there's one called uh, George Gershwin meets <laughs> William McGonagall, and he wrote like yeah, yeah they're just kind of again I think they're kind of unread unreadable oh, wow. as opposed to unwatchable. And it's just yeah he had some he had a real. Yeah, but then again, so did we. <laughs> because, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah there I you guess go. Yeah, more, more outlets. Um, um, I, I, I've never seen this or heard this uh, Canadian TV series. It's called uh, Murdoch's Mystery. But uh, I guess on episode 13, season 2, and for our Canadian listeners out there, a murder victim is holding a copy of a book entitled The Collected Works of William Topaz McGonagall, while the death appears to be accidental... The detective suspects fall play because it is highly unlikely that anyone voluntarily would read a volume of McDonagall. Yeah, but it was highly unlikely that anyone would voluntarily voluntarily read. Yeah, but we would, and we have. But but the but the most. Yeah, and I have. I've yeah, been, but the most one uh, famous nod to uh, uh, William Thomas McGonagall is in the Harry Potter books where author J.K. Rowling chose the surname of Professor, his Professor McGonagall. Professor McGonagall? Good evening, Professor Dumbledore. Yeah, it was interesting because the, uh, the coffee shop where she penned... Uh, it was the Hippie Cafe. The Wasn't it the Potter old Hippie Cafe? Is, uh, right. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it, it's not the Hippie Cafe. It's another cafe. Um, something elephant. It's right by Great Great, right by the the Kirkyard, and then also interesting enough, if you go into the the McGonagall mm-hmm. grave in the Kirkyard and you look out the building next door, and that's kind of the building. It's uh, it's an old school for boys. I can't remember the name of it, or it's an old school like elementary type school, and that's uh, the it's got crazy turrets and stuff, and that's the building that she kind of. Oh, is that like down, down by when you go towards uh, like the Pleasance? Because there's that they, you see it says boys entrance, yeah, girls yeah. entrance, and that's yeah. probably about a half a block away yeah. from where McGonagall yeah, lived. Well, the the Elephant Cafe is oh, right next right. to the Okay, Frank that's the other side. But yeah, Frank okay. Frank. I mean, it's all pretty relatively. Yeah, close there's a big, and... there's a big cell right there. There's a big sign outside that says. Oh, okay, this is right. Harry Potter was written. <laughs> I know. I thought <laughs> You'll she see got kicked out of the, What was the yeah. hippie? Pub. It's, it moved the Rainbow Bar or something like that. Yeah, the Forest Cafe. And Forest moved, Cafe. I think they used to have a sign at their yeah. old location yeah, saying this, like, J.K. Rowling got kicked out of here or something like that. <laughs> oh, she might have. Yeah, she could have been kicked out of there. You know, yeah. Maybe she wasn't paying the Yeah, there you go. She tried to use the coffee. bathroom. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so and then a couple other uh, nods to McGonagall. Um, uh, the documentary we worked on for The Atlantic, uh, a little biograph of, of William Topaz McGonagall.
worst poet ever. Yes, you can find that. Um, still and on the website, then I hope, I McGonagall seemed to, to influence uh, a one Harmon Leon, who one year at Edinburgh Festival wrote an hour-long show called Obey McGonagall. Which was sort of a musical, Obey McGonagall. Um, not so much biography of McGonagall, but sort of parallels to McGonagall's life and my life, and there were songs. <laughs> and then you would get people who were McGonagall <laughs> diehards coming to it, and they would be the ones that would be up in a, in a huff about it, because they, they were expecting a pure biographical yeah. uh, hour of McGonagall. That, yeah. It wasn't, wasn't McGonagall <laughs> enough. Yeah, and then just to uh, yeah to uh, a little plug for our friend Chris, uh, it's McGonagall-Online.co.uk. Um, yes, it's McGonagall-Online-Dax.org.uk. Yeah, excellent, excellent site. Like uh, uh, we were talking about those census records, Chris did a good job of compiling all the census records in there. They're good for a laugh, and I believe he's got a database of like all the poems too. Hey everyone, before we get back to the podcast, just wanted to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, WordsOverChair.com. WordsOverChair is a full service creative agency with offices in Brooklyn and Edinburgh that specializes in amazing storytelling, motion graphics, archival footage, all with a flair for humor. And the best part about WordsOverChair.com, you already like us. That's because Words Over Chair is run by yours truly, Harmon, along with my co-host, Scott Colonico. You might have seen our work on websites like Vice, The Atlantic, Vanity Fair, Timeline, and many others. Want to make something boring? Fine, do it yourself. Want to make something cool? Get in touch with us. Wordsoverchair.com so everything you want to know about McGonagall. Yeah, and that's right. And I, I guess what this leads to in conclusion is who who are the modern day McGonagalls? And, and there is plenty of modern day McGonagalls. And, and I'll kick us off here is uh, it, the most recent modern you know modern day McGonagall. And it's and again it's like these people that go into their projects you know full force with complete earnest confidence that they're producing great work. And reality, they create something that is so horrifically bad, and it's so easy to create something that's bad. But the point of who the modern day McGonagalls are that they create work that's so bad that stands the test of time. And the easiest carnation of this, of course, is the movie The Room. You are lying. I never hit you. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. Yeah, perfect. I mean, that's the perfect example, and I think that kind of shows all sides of it too. Whereas, you know, the room was you know started out by Tommy Wiseau as to be this honest, this honest, true. You know, he wanted to make make like a Tennessee Williams type thing that mutated into something, you know, horribly wrong. But I think. You know, I think he's uh, on the bandwagon now oh, where he was saying yeah. it's a joke no. the whole time. Yeah. But, you know, I've read the book. Yeah, I've read the book and stuff, and he, he thought he was doing something really dramatically serious when he started, which I think that's the re- that's the real key. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some of these other ones we want to talk about where I yeah, think Yeah, again, uh, so debatable. Tommy Wiseau thought he was doing great work and thought he would win an Academy Award uh with that, and he I, again, it's like always questionable where he got his money. But uh, you know, and again, 
you know, there's a whole nother podcast mm-hmm. and it's been talked about, on, you know, a lot of other podcasts, but when the room initially came out, you know, he would take out billboards like all over Los Angeles, you know, uh, uh, you know, advertising the release of the room and people would just drive by and just go, what is this room? It looks like a horror movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, he had that he <laughs> thought he was doing great work. And then only when, you know, it became like a cult thing, he starts claiming that it was a joke the whole time. And it still wasn't a joke, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do have to give a shout because when I first heard they were making a movie about it, I was like, oh, that's so dumb. But I actually did go back and read The Disaster Artist, and it's actually a pretty damn good good book. I mean, just the way they tell the story where it kind of it intercuts between the whole backstory mm-hmm. between Greg and Tommy, you know, their relationship and how they became friends. And then interc- it goes chapter to chapter between, you know, their story and then scenes from, you know, when they're all the, the, the crap that went wrong when they're filming the movie. It's actually, yeah, it's really funny and really well, well written. And that kind of. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the new movie, uh, The Disaster Artist, did that was that pretty faithful to the book? Yeah, it was it was pretty. Yeah, they did a pretty good job. I think they they, they yeah. Uh, so, anyways, you know that's that's a whole other podcast in itself. But a few more, I think, is like uh, keen paintings. Do you think that those are kind of uh, like the McGonagall? Uh, you know, the big eye paintings that you know uh, Tim Burton made a movie about. Yeah, I think I. Th- yeah, I think we could I mean, we could because they're pretty the horrific and scary, and but you know yet these. You know, there was a yeah. whole, and probably still to this day, a whole art gallery in San Francisco, like a Fisherman's Wharf, of keen paintings. And, you know, they look pretty yeah. horrific, but yet they've somehow endeared themselves to people. Yeah. But you wouldn't call them, by any, they would never be in an art gallery yeah. other than a keen painting art gallery. <laughs> right. Yeah, they were, yeah. They yeah, were, and then I, I guess, I you know, that. going back to modern poetry is like when you get like, an actress like such as Suzanne Summers or Justine Bateman or or Jewel putting out a book of poetry, that is very McGonagall-esque. Until you opened the door and I felt the magic, despite your suddenly fumbling hands, the nervous cough, your perfectly creased coordinated casuals. <laughs> and that stupid smile on your face. I remember reading some of Suzanne Summers, you know, and they get book deals. They get full-on commission book deals to put out books of their poetry, and, and it's just plain awful. Yeah, I mean, I think mm, okay, I'll, I'll go, I'll go with Minnie McGonagall on that. I mean, just because they're putting it out because, and they just don't realize it's bad. But they're not. They're not. The thing is, they're not doing it out of like they're doing it for money. You know, they're not doing it out of some kind of. Uh, something that's really driving them to do that. Um, Suzanne Summers' uh, book of poetry is called Touch Me, (laughs) The Poems of Suzanne Summers. Um, Here's just a sample. Sometimes I wonder if there's enough love to go around with all the pain and longing, but one thing is sure, if anyone has extra love, even a heartbeat or a touch or two, I wish they wouldn't waste it. On dogs? What? Oh my god! Oh, yeah, yeah I, know. Oh, that's pretty good. I know, I know. So, and then, then I guess a few others is like uh, there's that band from the '60s, the Shags. Oh, no. 
I, I, I'd heard of them, and I actually spent a little time listening to the Shags. And I've gotta, I've gotta say, I think this is probably our most likely McGonagall-esque candidate. You know, they were just, mm-hmm. yeah, it was weird. It was like their parents were, it was an all-girl group, and they were, uh, parents were kind of pushing them into doing this music, and they're just, they're not good. They're like really not good. I go to his house, knock at his door, people come out and say, foot, foot, don't live here no more. But I thought they were just like high school kids, yeah. and then somehow they recorded it, and then, you know, like decades later it got out in the world. So, you know. I don't think they were trying for stardom because I think what initially got recorded was like at a high school talent show. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think that's it. I mean, like another one I was going to bring up is that because um, I'd never actually listened to the whole song till right before this podcast, but that, that Rebecca Black yeah. Friday, <laughs> it's, it's actually okay. That that because I think. The deal was she just kind of paid like her family had money or something. I'm sure other our viewers be sure to tweet if we get any of these tweet us or drop us a comment if we get any of these stories wrong. But I think that what I remember reading is like yeah, or do it yeah. anyways. Even if we got yeah. it right, we never, we don't get enough tweets or comments. <laughs> oh, we get too many, and we'll read them on yeah, the air. We'll read them on the air. Um, and this one, yeah, and I guess her family kind of had enough money to give her to have her afford this video. And it, it's yeah, the the song lyrics are pretty horrific. And then I think, uh, you know, a couple of these uh, on our, our, our short list of modern day McGonagall's, I don't think, like Neil Hamburger, obviously, he's doing a parody of stand up comedy. Yeah, but I wouldn't, uh, but I would you know, say. It, it's in that McGonagall esque. But I would uh, say he's it. not, I think he's purposely being McGonagall esque. Oh, of course he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was like for, uh, what's that uh, um, band? He was like the promoter for uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, dwelling too I much think you're him. right, but I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't recall, recall the. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would go up before the band and do this, you know, parody of a bad stand-up mm-hmm. comedian, which has been done for years, you know, and Andy Kaufman right. did it first. But I think just one last one, I think, you know, people who are going um, – <laughs> Trying, I think what designates it are these people who are trying to hit it out of the par- the ballpark and think they're doing great right. work. And that's what makes them McGonagall-esque. And where, where, where it fails is uh, Nicolas Cage in the movie, the remake of The Wicker Man. Yeah, I think that was because he was, he was obviously, he was trying, he, you know, bless his heart, he was trying his hardest and it was, it was too much. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! I don't have my eyes! Yeah, and and not only in that movie does he punch women in the face, (laughs) but but they put the fucking the the, the cage of bees on him (laughs) on his head. Bees! (laughs) I know it's 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 pretty. You know, it's 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 bad watchable because it's so entertaining. Yeah. So again, what what is what what is your general takeaways of of, of William Topaz McGonagall? Because again, we have both spent a lot of time researching uh, it, you know, both in a documentary form and a live, you know, performance form. Uh, so, what is your takeaway about McGonagall? Takeaway McGonagall. And his place in comp. And his place in comedy history. There's only one McGonagall. 
There you go. That's it. That was it. No, <laughs> it just he has influenced people. I think he's been especially more in the UK. I don't think a lot of people in the US have heard of him, but he is kind of a, uh, a until now. Yeah, it, exactly. Until we get all these tweets coming in. Um, but he's been yeah, yeah he's, he's been kind of a fixture here in the UK, and I think he I think he deserves to be known a little bit you know wider across the world. Yeah, I think you're right. And again, it's he's like the room of the day where okay, uh, you would mock the room, you would laugh at it, um, but you know you would throw peas. Decades later, you would throw peas or spoons. What were they throwing? The yes, spoons. Yeah. You'd throw spoons at the screen, but, you know, think of movies in Hollywood that are made for huge budgets where they, uh, you know, had some sort of following and spent tens of millions of dollars. And decades later, we're still talking about The Room, much like, you know, William Topas McGonagall who died in the early, you know, early 1900s, and we're still talking about him. Yeah, I mean, who, who, was the, who was the best poet of 1890? I don't know. Who was the worst? I know that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's like these things stand the test of time, which make you question art. Is It is art, you know, because people are still talking about it. Exactly. And with that, it's time to plug away. Scott, do you have anything to plug? Well, of course, uh, Harmon, they'll be, uh, this is the President Podcast. You'll be, uh, be able to hear our latest episodes. Pretty soon, you'll be able to hear us at thisisthepresident.com. But for right now, you can find it over at my website, scottcolonico.com, also on um, wordsoverchair.com where you'll be able to find some of those podcasts as well so be sure to reach out reach out, out to us and um, you know who knows get in touch and for me I'll be producing a four day storytelling festival in New York City at the People's Improv Theater The Pit July 12th through 15th it's called Story Fest featuring the best storytelling shows in New York City And along with that, the whole month of August, I'll be appearing at the Edinburgh Festival in Scotland, uh, doing my new solo show, Harmon Leon's American Horror Story, 9 p.m. at Banshee Labyrinth. So thanks a lot for tuning in to Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Where we school you in comedy. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.